If you will, turn with me this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to pick up reading around verse 6. So 1 Samuel chapter 16. And if you know anything about the context here of Samuel, well, Samuel the prophet is actually on the hunt for another king. God has already disowned Saul because of his disobedience and his coming disobedience that will finalize it all. And there's going to be another king anointed even though there is a sitting king. And so he's on the hunt. He's on the hunt for God's anointed, God's man. And so we kind of pick up mid-story here and notice what is said. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, Because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons, I thought I had a lot, pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for your holy word. May it be a word for us this morning. Holy Spirit, would you speak in only the way that you can, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Life matters. Your life matters. Person sitting next to you matters. People that we can't even see in the womb, they matter. And on this Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, I want to bring you a message that simply says, Life matters. We live in a throwaway culture. You know, your phone breaks like mine did, you go get another one, you throw the other one away. There used to be a time where when your clothes tore, like mine did yesterday, more on that to come, you, th- you just repaired them, right? Kept going. You can just go 
to the store and buy more on the frontier. There's no way to do that. You've got to repair what you have. Our cars, our phones, our electronics, our TVs, all these things are just, we live in a throwaway culture. We throw them away. It's actually more economical now just to simply throw it away than try to get it fixed. And yet, we must not live by that sort of leading in our Christian life. People, you don't throw people away. We have to have some staying power when it comes to people, when it comes to each other, when it comes to us, when it comes to me. You may have noticed uh, I have a little bit of a limp today. Um, I would like to tell you it was because of the five hours I spent moving someone yesterday. But unfortunately, it's not from that. It's actually from playing at a kid's party. Uh, And we went to a Ninja Warrior place in Huntsville. And, uh, of course, they had this big, I don't know, wall that you kind of run up and you have to jump up and hang there. And I tried to do that about 427 times yesterday, uh, really to no avail. I never stuck it. I did get up there to touch it, so your pastor did better than anybody else in the party, okay? Just give me some props for that. Unfortunately, my calf muscle uh, is telling me this morning I shouldn't have done that. And, um, and so I, uh, I don't give up easily. That's something about me, if you know me. I don't, I don't give up easily. Our church planting coach that helped coach Jessica and I uh, with this church plant, with Harvest Point, for four years. Uh, I talked to him recently, and he said, wow, I'm, I'm really impressed that you're, you're still there. Uh, because he walked through some really dark times with us when didn't have much to show for. And I wasn't surprised, though. Because God actually called me here. Nothing about me. He called me here. How could I leave? Where could I? I never had it in my mind to just go off to an established church or to somewhere that might have been an easier path. I'm willing to take whatever he feeds me. He's the mom. He's the dad in my life. And I'm going to receive what he gives me. And God said when we first came here, said, why don't you give five years of your life here? I said, all right, let's do it. Told Jessica, I said, believe God wants to give five years here. Don't know what's going to happen after that. We'll see. Five years comes, and he says, again, let's do it again. Well, ten years comes this year. This is my second five-year setting with God, if you will. And I didn't even ask God because I know his heart. He's called us to you. He's called us here. To each and every one of you. We're called to give our life to you, whatever that means. For ill or for good. We're here. For rich or for poor. We're here. It's never been about the money. For us. It's never been about prestige. For us. It's about serving and doing what God called us to do. That's not a pat on the back. That's just saying a burden has been placed on me as the pastor of this church, the shepherd of this church. And I'm not going anywhere until he tells me to go somewhere. Now to throw on you, what's your burden? You see, for us, life matters no matter how small or how great. I don't measure my success as a pastor based on attendance numbers. 
based on the size of the congregation or the buildings and budgets that we have. We'll talk about that later today. But that's not the measurement. The measurement is, are you faithful with what God has called you to do? Not me. I just told you what he called me to do. Now, now people can look down on that. Oh, yeah, he's just pastor of a small church. Hey, that's fine. Because I know I'm being faithful to God. If I was off somewhere else and people thought I was cool and hip and famous, but was not in God's will, what's that? What's that? No. You got to answer the question. Who has God laid on your heart to give your life to? Because life matters. Your lives matter to us, which is why we carry you in our heart. And the us that I'm speaking of has expanded outside of my heart, Jessica's heart, into your heart. And there are many here at Harvest Point who have taken up the burden with us and carry you each and every week to God. That's what God wants. That's what God is calling His body to do. And you are, my dear friends, His body. You're the best God has in Madison for this church. And... I wouldn't wish to be with any other group of people, honestly. Technology may work where we throw it away when we're done with it, but people don't. We don't throw people away. You see, I'm convinced if we're going to really believe that life matters, we've got to have God's view. You see our story today, right? Here's Jesse, the father of David. Here's Samuel. God's prophet. And they're both looking across all the sons here. You can tell he's got a lot. And they say, oh boy, that tall one right there. Man, he would make a... Boy, he would just... He walks into a room. You're going to know it. I tell some of the guys here, uh, Scott being one of them, I say, man, I really look up to you. It's like this. Every Sunday I look up to you. And, and, and apparently some of, some of David's brothers, boy, you really looked up to them. These guys were big. Even Saul, it said, the Bible said he was a head above everybody else. God says, that's not my man. It's not my anointed. It's not just the ones who look the part that matter to God. But God looks on the inside. He looks on our heart. You know, people, people quip and people will shoot this back at you and they even get tattoos and stuff. You know, don't judge me, only God judges me. And I'm like, woo. You realize what you're saying? <laughs> I'd rather people judge me than God. Because people don't know everything. I've learned that. You can trick people. You can trick me. But you can't trick God. You can't deceive God. You can deceive yourself, the Bible says. And even tells us and warns us that the heart is deceitful above all things. 
You've seen people in your life who have been deceived about something. They can't see past it. You know they need to end the relationship. All they can see is what's right in front of them. They don't see with God's eyes. Just like Samuel and just like Jesse. Because Jesse was saying, oh, yeah, my oldest son, look here. He's robust. He works out every day, benches 400 pounds. He's going to be the next king. He's got to wield that sword. Oh, you mean the shepherd kid? Little ruddy booger? No, surely not. And God says, surely that's my man. That's him. My man. And he became, David became the paragon of every other king that would be behind him. In other words, the writer of kings, the author, uses a rubric in his book to measure the other kings by David. In other words, he either followed in the footsteps of his father David or of Jeroboam, Solomon's evil son. Not only that, Jesus comes and gladly accepts the title of son of David. This was God's man. Sometimes I'm really thankful to God that he chooses for us, even though some crazy names are in the Bible, he chooses some really cool ones that get mentioned a lot, like David. Man, what if we had to say all the time Shema or Jehoshaphat, you know? Son of Jehoshaphat, you know, it's just crazy. But no, it's son of David. Son of David, why? Because David was not Samuel's man, wasn't Jesse's man, surely wasn't his brother's man, but he was God's man. No matter what you are in the eyes of others, you're God's man. You're God's lady. And he cherishes you. I always like those old covenant vows of marriage. I always try to get people to use the old vows. Cherish one another. I cherish you. God, he cherishes you in his heart. He loves you. He loves you as if you were the only person in the whole world. And yet... His eye is always for the whole world. And he wants to use you. He wants to use me. That's a crazy thought to me. Because I know me a little bit. What matters most? I know you're going to get tired of this, but I've got to bring it back out. Somebody folds this thing up for me every Sunday. I don't know who does it, but they do, and I have to undo it every time. And have to fold it back every time. If this is our life, if this is our life, this rope, this rope that represents our 70-something years roughly. Yeah, trust me, there's plenty of people who do great work behind the scenes. Um, Thank you, Craig and others. (laughs) This rope represents, uh, this little portion right here that's taped represents our little life of 70-something years that we on average will spend here. Don't just work for this little part of retirement that may or may not happen. But instead, work for eternity. Let's really live our life in the light of eternity. I mean, that's what's supposed to happen to us when we come to worship. Is we get caught up in what's going on in heaven eternally. From the beginning of time 
to time immemorial. Don't get caught up in just the little things of this life. And look, I know sometimes you feel like I'm preaching at you. But let me just correct you and say, no, 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 this is messages for me. Even as early as yesterday, God had to give me a kick from behind. Slap me upside the head. Elbow me and say, that's what I'm concerned with, Marshall. Not the other stuff. Because I had a full plate yesterday. I don't want to tell you all this stuff and bore you with all the stuff I needed to do. Paperwork wise behind a computer in order to prepare for today and some other stuff that I have going on. I had so much work and yet I ended up going and helping somebody move. It took about six hours total. Then I had to go to a birthday party for family. That took longer than what I wanted. And then after that, we ended up going out with some other people because we needed to reconnect with them. I spent my whole day with people, and I got in, and I got started cranked up about, you know, 9, 10 o'clock or something. And the Lord said, you know what? Nobody's really going to remember the nice little budget stuff you put together, the, you know, the papers that you wrote and this sort, the notes that you have for yourself. But what they're going to remember is that you spent time with them. That you were there at a critical moment when somebody's father is in his last days and you helped move him. You were there for a birthday party for a nephew. Could have been doing other stuff. Could have been stuck behind a computer, behind a desk, in a cubicle. But you were with people. I think that's really what matters. Life matters. Technology, it's not going to last. But people, people are going to last. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, upside God, says this, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilization, these are mortal and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. This does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn... We must play. But our merriment must be of that kind, and it is, in fact, the merriest kind, which exists between people who have, from the outset, taken each other seriously. Not flippantly. No superiority. No presumption. People are serious business. They don't go away. They are not forgotten. The child who dies in Africa today, that not many people know, God knows. God cares. The people up in Canada that Jack and Carrie went to go see, who feel forgotten, lonely. They're not forgotten by God. And they're not forgotten by these two precious people who are willing to take you to help remind them this year that they're not forgotten.
People in India, not forgotten by God. People in China, today worshiping Jesus, they're not forgotten by God. You are not forgotten by God. You're precious. He cherishes you. You matter. Life matters. And we must not give up on life. We must not give up on people. If you find yourself being overrun with skepticism, criticism, anger in your heart toward others, please cry out to God today for help. Because went to a funeral this week. When you lay your life down, take your last breath, and you're up here taking a snooze while everybody else is out there, what really matters? Job performance at work or God's performance in your life? I, look, I, I, I know work is important. It's biblical to work. That's great. But if it consumes and drowns out people mattering in your life, whew, something's got to go. What is worth, honestly, what is worth not obeying God? Say you, I mean, say you knock it out of the park where you move all the way, you're the dead gum president. But you come down to the end, you don't have anything to show for. Not to God. He can't say of you, you were faithful to my company. The company of heaven. Life matters, my friends. Let's resolve to make it so in our life. Let's resolve today to make life matter to the person down the row, to the person across the street, to the person that will serve you later today when you go out to eat or check you out at your grocery store. They matter. Even when they're doing bad or poor, they matter. Maybe that's when they matter the most. When you can come in and say, you know what, looks like you're having a tough time. Let me be a blessing to you and let you know that God loves you and so do I. You see, we, we're not called to think like the world, are we? We don't let the culture lead us like some puppy dog on a, on a string. God alone leads us and his church because he's the head. Not me. He's the head. Because he has to whop me upside the head sometimes, just like yesterday, and say, you know what, Marshall? People matter. People matter. And sometimes you forget that. God help us. Let's grow something this year to share with others. It's our motto at the church. And it's one I think is after the heart of God. But the only way we're going to really believe that is if we can see like God sees. Samuel, the prophet of God, couldn't even see it until God says, nope, that's not my man, but David is. God, would you help us, would you help us to really believe and act like life matters? Whether we see it or not, it does. Give us your eyes, give us your life in your light. In the midst of a throwaway culture, May we 
plant ourselves in the lives of others and let the roots of love grow deep. I'll end with God's confrontation with Moses and his people in Deuteronomy. Who will you choose this day, life or death? And then he says this, choose life so that you might live. Will you choose life? Not just your own life, but the lives of others. Because quite frankly, they're counting on you whether they realize it or not. Who will answer that call? If you say, you know what? I'm overloaded with work. I'm overloaded with worries. I'm overloaded with stress. I'm overloaded with whatever. You say, I need to really see like God sees. I'm just going to ask you to get up and come down here to these kneelers and kneel before God and tell him the truth. And ask him for your help. The Bible says, choose this day who you will serve. And I'll say this, choose this very minute. Because this minute encapsulates for you everything else that you're going to do the rest of your life. So what are you going to do? If you want to join me, because I need to repent. I need to be reoriented to what matters. Then come. As our worship team comes... You come and give your life to Jesus so that life matters. Amen.